Color Me Sane, a new podcast where we explore the world of forensic nursing. We educate and tell about our experiences of working with sexual assault, domestic violence, strangulation, non-accidental trauma, and human trafficking survivors. Color with us as we explore the world of sexual assault nurse examination. Our aim is to use this medium to educate the public and other nurses on the different aspects of this exam, your rights as a survivor, and resources available to you. The information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or legal advice. All information obtained from this podcast is for general information purposes only. Please reach out to your local entities for recommendations specific to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Color Me Sane with your forensic nurses, Melissa and Lynn. Today, we're going to be talking about what happens if you cannot afford an exam. Well, we know when this happens, it is un- it's unexpected and it can cause a lot of stress. So we will be talking today about can you be billed for an exam? And what happens if you can be billed for an exam? What resources are there to help you pay for the exam? And what about medications? Medications we know can be expensive. Are there any resources to help with paying for these medications? So Lynn, can you briefly describe a little bit about like, can we be charged? Can someone be charged for a sexual assault exam? No. So federally, we are not allowed to charge anyone, adult or child, for a sexual assault examination. Um, It is paid for. Most state has programs that pays for the examination. Um, I'll add, though, that if you go to the emergency department, you might still get a bill for for going to the emergency department, but you won't get a bill for whatever was done with your forensic nurse. Um, so like your DNA swabs, your history, like whatever the forensic nurse does with you, we cannot bill for that. We cannot bill the patient for that. Um, but if the ER doc decides um, or by you talking to the ER doc, you had some other issues going on um, or just the, the bill that you get from by for seeing a doctor in the ER, you might get that bill and that has nothing to do with the forensic encounter per se. Um, so no, you cannot get billed for a sexual assault exam, but yes, you can get billed for going to the ER because you were assaulted. Does that make sense, Melissa? Um, yes, um, I, that does make sense. So uh, can someone be billed for like, what if they were not sexually assaulted, but like physically assaulted by a domestic partner or a spouse? Can they be billed at that point? Yes, they can be billed at that point. However, um, there are a, some facilities, so some um, emergency departments or clinics. Um, they may have um, they may have ways to help pay for those exams um, so that you don't get hit with a bill. However, if they've tried um, multiple ways before to get those that bill that 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 encounter bill cleared. Um, by one of their partners or by like, donations or however they do it. I'm not sure. Um, if, if your bill is not covered at that point, then you might get a bill. You, However, um, you have the option to work with um, the state through crime, crime victim compensation. And what that looks like is filling a form out. Um, a lot of uh, 
I know for 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 Texas where I am at, you can do it online or by paper, and you submit you submit that form, and it's a reimbursement. So you can get that money that was used to pay for the ER visit or um, your transportation that you used to come to the ER, or if you lost wages for the day, stuff like that. Um, that is a good point about the crime victims' compensation. Um, one thing to keep in mind is crime victims' compensation can help reimburse for a lot of things, including medical bills. But unfortunately, normally to get reimbursed, you have to be working with law enforcement. So for those people who might come in and they're not reporting to law enforcement, that is not something that they're normally going to have resources for. That may not be for every state. I know that is for in Texas, you have to be working for law enforcement, but I don't know if that's going to be for every state, but I kind of assume it would be just because it's coming from the government itself. Um, yeah. The best thing you can do in that instance is um, ask, find out from the advocate in the area that you are, or find out from the forensic nurse that you are working with um, about that. They'll have more up-to-date information about your location when it comes to reimbursement or help with payments. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so I have a question for you. I have been assaulted in some sort of form and I've come to the ER by ambulance. And how am I supposed to get home? Oh, wonderful question. So um, this can pose a problem based on where you are, honestly, um, as a fellow ER nurse. <laughs> Um, but a lot of times you have, there are a couple options that we can try. Um, if, if the ER that you have, have a social work department or a um, comprehensive care management department, a lot of times they can help with, um, with the rides home. Sometimes they don't have, they don't have a ride or they are completely out when it comes to their, um, funding. They don't have funding for that anymore. It's all dried up. Um, your advocacy group, there are, for us, they're a wonderful help when it comes to helping with transportation, transporting patients from um, the hospital to home. Um, from what I've noticed also, if you're getting assistance from the, the department that you're in, the emergency department or your location, um, they can be, um, it can be where they can only give you transportation within your county or within a certain radius um, versus with the advocacy, they can go a bit further um, once they have the budget for it. Now, um, keep in mind, if you are if you are traffic from California to Texas, they may not be able to get you all the way back. But a lot of times you can help with like bus tickets and, and, and stuff like that to to get you somewhere safe until, or, or to get you get you in a safe get, safe location until um, they can help you figure something out to get you back to your family. Yeah, that is a good point because there are plenty of times where people are coming in and they're states away from where they need to be, especially if they were trafficked. Um, I have seen, because in some areas you have multiple advocacy groups and a lot of police departments are putting money aside for like their own crime victim liaisons, which are kind of like advocacy groups. So sometimes I've seen multiple groups get together, pull funds and be like, let's get this person a bus ticket back to wherever they're from. They may not be able to get them a flight because those are a lot more expensive normally, but I've seen them pull a lot of resources in from a bunch of different people just so they can get the person where they need to be and get them home safe. So just have to be sometimes very clear on where you need to go 
and they can try their best to help you. Um, unfortunately, there are times where there's just not much they can do, but they always try their best. Or I've seen times where like, we can only get you so far. So let's start calling advocacy groups there, see if they can take you in for a night and get you somewhere else after that. I've seen that happen a couple of times too, where they're like, we can only get you three hours away, but we're going to eventually get you home. And in the end, you find out the person made it all the way across the country to go home because you had so many groups just helping out. Um, sometimes they run into problems with that because it's like the assault didn't happen in our area. We don't want to waste our funds on someone's not from here. But a lot of times they really just want to help all these victims get to where they need to be and get back home. Um, and in Texas, the problem is, is, you know, our counties are very large. So you may have to go hours away just to get to the nearest place to get a forensic exam. But like you said, the ER may only be able to take you home within your county. And you might live three counties over, which could be an hour and a half, two hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just to clarify something that Melissa said, if, if you had like, if something went up in your ear, um, when she said um, other counties, other areas might not want to quote unquote waste funds. It's not, they don't, it's not necessarily wasting funds. It's just that a lot of times when they get their funding from um, like their governmental bodies, they have to use it for a specific area. And um, that can get real sticky real quick. Um, so they just have to be careful because if they lose their funding, they won't be able to do anything for anybody. Um, so that's just something to, just to clarify what she said. Oh, no. Thank you for clarifying that. Because, yeah, it's unfortunately a lot of these um, advocacy groups are getting funds from their actual counties. So they really need to try to put as much money towards the people in their county. And that's why it can kind of get harder. It also depends on when the funding is because funding is at different times of the year for everybody. It's not like a January and it's not like a July. It could be October when they get their funding. So by the time it gets down to April, they're like, we're out. Yeah. We're low. Yeah. And especially if your area is bigger or you are in one of those areas that you're serving a lot of people um, all the time, that fund, even though you might get a large funding, that funding might go so quickly just because of all the work they're having to do. Um, so I wanted to ask you another question just so while we're talking about kind of like advocacy groups. Um, without going into too much detail, what are some other things that you have seen or that you know of that the advocacy groups can help, even if it's financially, like um, the victims when they are getting their exam? Have you seen them do other things for them, even like small things for them? Uh, yes. Um, when it comes to like having one of the things I see um, quite a bit is um, if the victim doesn't have somewhere safe to stay, especially when it's like a, a strength, a DV, domestic violence um, type of situation, and um, they were living with the perpetrator, they don't have anywhere safe to stay. A lot of, and there's no, sometimes shelters are full or um, based on like the amount of kids they have, like something happened, they, they can't get them in a shelter. Um, they'll pay for hotels for them for a certain time frame or until we can get you in a shelter or get you get like government funding for housing and stuff like that. Um, so they can help with that. They can, um, they also have, they, they know people like advocates, like they are, they are the definition of knowing where to go for what. So um, if you have to run out of your house butt naked without anything, they, they can work with you to get you clothing for you and your kids. If you need furniture, they can help um, put you in the right direction. 
Um, if you need, you're like, I, I need a lawyer. I don't know what to do. They can walk you through. They have, they don't necessarily have lawyers on staff with them, but they work in the system so much that they can direct you. They can give you the direction. They can send you to like the legal, the local legal aid office. Um, they can walk you through certain processes um, that you might not even know. So they're even, for me as a forensic nurse, there are even some things that uh, my patients might ask and I'll let them like, hey, so my wonderful advocate is here and I'll let them talk to you about that because they're just going to get way more information from them that I could possibly give them. Yeah, I've also seen some of them like when you come in and we finally clear you to eat food, I've seen them go out and get them like, food because in the ER you you don't always have any food and you actually normally cannot order from the cafeteria. You would think a hospital has a whole cafeteria we can order food. You're in the ER. You don't normally get an order from the cafeteria. So I've seen them go out and get them It takes long. That's a problem. It's it's gonna take like two hours for you to get it and it's it's sometimes it's just not feasible. So like I've seen them go out and be like, we're going to go get you some food. So when you're done, you've got some good food, a hot meal or just some comfort snacks sometimes just to make you have a little bit of goodness in your day. Um, the other thing with transportation I wanted to point out that I don't think we covered is some areas. Um, if you're working with law enforcement, sometimes you can call the law enforcement um, back, the officer or like the station and be like, can you help me with a ride home? And there are times that they are able to do that. The other thing to think about is if we're able to give you a ride home, but it may not be safe, that's when um, your forensic nurse or your advocate can help work with the law enforcement so you can get to your house and you can make sure you get in safely or get whatever you need out safely. And we'll talk a lot more about that in future episodes. But those are just some things to think about. Like we do find ways to try to reduce the cost as much as possible. Because unfortunately, these are unexpected events. Nobody wants to go through it. And the last thing you want to pay for is something that did not you did not ask for to happen. And a lot of people just like it's something you don't really want to pay for out of your own pocket sometimes and you shouldn't have to. So we do our best to find you everything. Um, so Lynn medications, medications can be expensive, even just for your normal blood pressure meds. When we're talking about antibiotics, especially like, um, HIV medication, that can be really expensive. Is there any help for medications? Yes. Um, there is help for medications. Um, so let's just start with your basic STI preventative medication. So usually that's for your gonorrhea and trichomonas. Um, if we realize that you, so for my program, and I know, and I think based on speaking with other um, forensic nurses from other programs, if there, 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 if there's obviously signs that you may not be able to even for the medication or we're worried that you might not even be able to pick these medication up um, because of financial strain, you might just go ahead and give you a one-time dose in the ER. Sometimes that's not um, possible based on what happened to you um, or some programs, they are banked on giving you um, the newer CDC guidelines, which is um, like a week, so you take the medication for a week for your STI preventative medication. Um, in that case, if you if you aren't able to pick up your medications or pay for do the copay, um, you have options. So once again, our advocates, wonderful set of people 
um, if uh, you are able to donate to their cause, please do because it really helps. Um, but they can help with copays, and they can even like get you to like take you to pick your medications up if needed. Um, I've seen that happen so many times, and it's wonderful. Um, but you also have resources like GoodRx that will bring down the cost of your copies um, dramatically. Um, and GoodRx, you can literally go online, Google GoodRx, put your zip code in and um, the medication, and they'll tell you like um, how much this medication can be reduced to, and you get the coupon code and bring it in. Um, some departments with their social work or their comprehensive care department, they do have like a small stipend that they can give you to assist paying for the copay. However, this is very few and far in between. I've only seen this happen like once um, for my what three plus years working in the ER. I've only seen this happen once um, and it's a big funding issue for them. They just don't have the funding for it. Um, the next thing is, what if you only have $50 and your copay was 45 and your friends say, hey, I'm going to pay this for you. Um, but you got to give me back the money. If you're okay with that and that friend paid for it, when you do your crime victim compensation, um, you can actually be reimbursed once you have those receipts. You can be reimbursed for that so you can get it back to your friend. However, the the, the process of crime victim compensation does take a while. So it might be months before you have that that money, that copay money that you had borrowed to give back your friend. Um, but there are ways to pay for the medications it's for the SD, SDI preventative medications um, you just have to ask about your options for wherever you go the next play the next medication sorry for your NPEP so that's your HIV preventative medication now this medication is super expensive we're talking about in the thousands right Melissa yeah like I think both of them together cost about $1,900 for 30 yes. days yes um, and you have to start taking this, these medications within within three days of the assault. So it's very time sensitive. Um, for our program, if you have insurance and the insurance, they'll they'll run the insurance. And, as, and I've seen very, very few times where the insurance will cover so much where your, your copay is only like $50 and the patient was okay paying that. Um, but if not, you don't have insurance or your insurance will not cover it. We do have... Um, like coupon packets that we fill out and we send to our pharmacy. Um, but that is program dependent. And with that, we can only use a specific pharmacy and that pharmacy will um, like process all that paperwork through different um, entities to get these medications reduced, super reduced or even free of cost for the patient. Um, so that's another option for us. I I haven't had where... Um, like the advocacy group had to step in to pay for these medications for a patient, and I'm not sure if they would be able to pay for um, a medication that's going to cost almost two thousand dollars for one for the patients because it's a, that's a lot of money, and we're talking about a lot of patients um, in a, in a month. That's 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 going to bleed very quickly, bleed their pockets very quickly. What are what what kind of experience have you had with that? Um, I've also, I've never seen an advocacy group pay for that type of medication, just because, like you said, it's pretty expensive. I have seen them pay for it if you have like a really good insurance and they're like, yeah, it's only me 50 bucks. I've seen them pay for that copay, but I've never actually seen them pay for all of it together. And the problem with the in-pet medications is if you have 
insurance, it may not be covered by insurance. So there are some great insurances out there, um, like Tricare will pay for it for the most part. But a lot of and a lot of times, your private health insurance will not pay for these medications. Um, so sometimes another way is if you can, if you're area does not seem to have any help, you can always try the manufacturer. A lot of manufacturers for drugs will have coupon codes on their website, or sometimes you can call them and be like, this happened to me. I need this medication immediately. Can y'all help? And there are times that they are able to help you. You got to give them information about where you all you like, you have to give them the information about you, but where your medication is, and they might be able to cover or give it to you for free for like that one time month but they're not going to do that they're not going to do it all the time but i always i always recommend people if you're not going to be able to get it covered at least reach out to the brands of the the manufacturer of the drugs you never know they sometimes have great resources yeah. themselves yeah and um they're just as i as we've said many times um they these things are very program dependent um so it's very important that you speak to a foreign nurse and so even if something happened to you and you're not wanting an ex, you're you're not sure if you want an exam, um, but you want to speak to a forensic nurse because you just want some more information um, about what to do and what resources are avail- available to you so you don't get sick. Call that hospital, call that clinic area, and somebody will talk to you. That's one like they will find time to talk to you and kind of walk you through what you need to do or what what are your options should say um, to help keep you medically and physically safe. Um, because um, sometimes even if like, I know for some clinic, they don't prescribe, um, like say they don't prescribe the NPEP, the HIV preventative medications, but they have they have um, like working relationship with other clinics um, that they will refer you to. They'll actually send the paperwork to them. They'll refer you to that clinic so you can go and get additional testing or additional or the actual medication itself um, to help help keep you medically safe. Yeah, and on that as well, say you don't want to be seen by an ER or a forensic team at all, but you're at your primary care provider's office. If they don't know what medications you should have, you can always ask them, like, do you know of any forensic teams in the area? Because a lot of times they'll call up the forensic teams and be like, can you help me? What should I do for this patient? And they won't give us any information about you. They're just going to kind of give us a background. I have this patient, they are needing some medications for prophylaxis after an assault. What do we recommend? And then we'll ask some questions and we'll kind of go over the questions and we're like, well, they would qualify based off the CDC recommendations for these medications based off of what you're telling me. And then they'll able to give you that. So we have sometimes worked with like the county departments and different primary care offices about that. So even if you don't want to come see us, just try to keep yourself safe and you can at least go talk to your um, your primary care provider. Because again, like even if you don't get the NPEP, if you get all those other medications, there are ways to help by using like good RX. There's also well RX and some areas have really good um, other programs, even at their pharmacies to help out with a lot of different things or your off- your doctor's office may have more help. So try to keep yourself safe and just kind of reach out because there's always someone that will help you be able to get it as long as you're reaching out to someone in the medical field like a yeah. doctor or something super important okay so 
we have covered medications. We spoke a little bit about what the OAG can help you with harm victim compensation and how advocacy can help us with co-pays and um, transportation. So if you have any questions about any of these things, you can leave it in the comments and we'll try our best to respond um, so you can have more information on that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, Melissa? No, I think we pretty much covered a lot of these things. Um, but like you said, if anyone has like they want us to go into more detail about any of these things, you can always just message us. We can always try to talk more about it. Um, also, if you have had your experience with maybe being billed or not being billed for your exams, you can reach out to us. And so we can we can always sh confidentially share your experience as well. So overall, we appreciate your time and thank you for joining us for another episode. We look forward to seeing you all next week. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us today. You can reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok at ColorMeSanePod, Patreon, and YouTube. You can email any feedback or questions at hello at ColorMeSanePod.com. If you or anyone you know has been sexually assaulted, you can call the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673 or go to the RAIN.org website. That's R-A-I-N-N.org and they have an online chat and resources available to you.